This copyrighted podcast of the James Perspective has been paid for and funded by James M. Wilkerson. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this podcast are a permutation and combination of words and sentences used in this podcast without the express written consent of James M. Wilkerson and the James Perspective is strictly prohibited. Good morning, listeners. I tell you what, I tell you, we got the superstar crowd going here. We got Pastor Chris, the giant preacher. <laughs> we got Doc. Jim is even making a special appearance today, along with Glenn. I think Sarah had to work into the wee, or, wee hours of the morning, or wee hours of the night, whatever you would call it, late into the night. Yeah, there's so much crime that, you know, that's what they're doing now. They pled 11 and still fell behind. In other words, they... They, they had 11 people plead guilty, but there were more than 11 new arrests. So they actually gained people in the system. He's on earth, good will towards men. You got to realize that they do that three times a month. So that's 33 people be pleading guilty, you know, over a month period, and they're still falling behind. Crazy stuff, isn't it? It is. It's, it's crazy stuff. You know what? Um, this isn't going to be much of a. Surprise, we got Christmas coming on Monday, and Pastor Chris has some things he'd like to say about the nativity, and I'm always interested in that. It's, it's, that's a, there's different stories, different traditions as how it went down, but I think you got something specific you want to talk about today, right? Well, I'm just going to lay a, a foundation, and then from there, I, I know this group, and there's going to be a lot of discussion that's going to follow when I give this simple. Overview. Okay, you ready now? I'm ready if it's simple. Okay, Isaiah 7, 14 in the Old Testament, the prophet said that a virgin would conceive Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. A virgin was going to conceive God with us. That was hundreds of years before it actually happened. The birth of Jesus is talked about uh, in two books of the Bible, New Testament, Matthew and Luke. And uh, you know, some of the key players in it, of course, is uh, Gabriel that brings the message uh, from heaven to uh, Mary, who is a virgin. She's never been married. She's never had sex and tells her that she's going to have a child. And she says, well, how can this be? I do not know a man. In other words, she's talking about she's not had sex with any man. She is a virgin. And he said, uh, Gabriel said, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and you will you will be in, impregnated with, with a child. And she was betrothed to uh, engaged, we would say in modern language, to uh, Joseph. And so you can imagine when she uh, uh, goes to Joseph and said, guess what? An angel appeared to me and, and I, I'm, preg I, I'm, I'm pregnant and uh, uh, and this is going to be God in the flesh. Did Joseph go shoot the milkman? I imagine Joseph uh, had a little hard time accepting that. And that's the reason that God gave him a dream, that this was of God. And so then you, you talk about their journey, and, and they're going from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is about 90 miles. And uh, uh, actually, it's 1,500 uh, miles, uh, not 1,500 miles, 1,500 feet up 
In other words, uphill. Over the 90 miles, you're traveling up 1,500 feet. Now, we've always seen in the nativity scene, there is a donkey. Nowhere in those two books of the Bible does it talk about a donkey. Uh, but it could be. And actually, that comes from something uh, that was written that was non-biblical. Let's see if I can uh, pronounce this. It says, Proto uh, Evangelium of James. And that, that was like an ancient uh, 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 story that is not put in the Bible. It's not biblical. And that's where the donkey comes in. But as we know, transportation in those days was either on foot or it was on an animal, a horse, or a donkey, or maybe a camel. So, uh, you know, we, we can kind of go along with that in the nativity scenes that are all, all over the nation. But uh, there's, there's no way to prove there was actually a donkey. Now, you've got to understand she was big and pregnant. And uh, uh, so if there was a donkey, I've, I've been trying to figure out how all that worked. Did he lead the donkey like we see in nativity scenes? Or did he ride part of the time? She walked part of the time. Uh, or did he kind of get up on the donkey and kind of hold her uh, on the donkey? Did you even know, did you know this, that in the Old West, that women could not straddle a horse? It, it didn't look right to the people. And so forth. They had, so uh, they had a side saddle. That's the way that they rode. I, heard I knew they did in the East, and I knew they did in England, but I didn't know they did in the Old West. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just didn't know. You know I just know that Wyatt Earp's girlfriend is depicted as riding it. With I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if that's the model woman, though. <laughs> she was side saddle, or she straddled. She straddled. Well, in most of our movies today, in our western, I mean, on Gunsmoke, you don't see a woman uh, uh, riding side saddle. But it was a very dangerous way to ride, and it had a different type of saddle. But anyhow, I don't know that that has anything to do with any of this. I'm trying to just give well, an overview of Saturn. That's a long way from donkeys. I thought wide open scripture. It's a long way. <laughs> My wife does. <laughs> and so, yeah, the shepherds of the field, and uh, all of a sudden in the middle of the night, first we got to talk about this part. When they get to... Uh, uh, Bethlehem, there's no room in the inn. A lot of people like to talk about the poverty that's involved with Jesus, which is really a bunch of baloney that's just been sold over the church to make people feel good because people so poor for so long, the masses of people. And trying to make people feel good. I don't know why you feel good about being poor, because even in the Word of God, it says that, that uh uh, one of the uh, apostles said, or one of the writers said, uh, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. So they didn't seem to have a poverty complex like many of the denominations have still today. But uh, I kind of got off beat there, but let me go on. They had money. They had money. They were going to pay taxes. They had money. Traveling that distance, it was them on the road. Because people walked in caravans in those days because robbers, muggers, thieves were thick. And, and so they weren't coming alone. They get there. They oh, hold on a second. Somebody's okay. heavily breathing into the mic. Stop now. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. You sure it wasn't me? Okay. I'm sure it was not you. Yeah. Where was it? You were saying that some oh, yeah. churches are not asceticism. No, no. Oh, no you weren't. They, had, they did not have, uh, they had money when they got there. Okay. 
And and so now the shepherds, the skies break open. There's there's angels singing, and and they they know how to get now to to the uh, uh, place where Jesus was born, and and they go over there. So it looks like they're going to have to stay in in this uh, uh, barn and and birth the baby in a barn all alone, which wouldn't be the worst thing that ever happened. But that's just the way that it happened because there was no room in the inn. And so the shepherds get to the right place and they're there and the wise men are coming. And I don't know if there were three. That's the way the song goes, but whatever. And they brought gifts. They brought gifts and they stopped by uh, uh, Herod or Caesar Augustus. They stopped by and talked to him. He said, well, look, I want to go see him, too. So when you come back, let me know so I can go. Well, what he wanted to do was kill him because he didn't want another king more. And so we're just going over the basics real quick here. And so they brought gifts, uh, frankincense and myrrh, and uh, they brought gold, frankincense and myrrh. Now, look, all of these things were of value and they were going to need this because they want to spend two years in Egypt hiding from from uh, the monarch. And uh, so they weren't broke at any time. And Joseph had a skill also. So I just want to cover that because I, I talked to James a little bit before this whole podcast, and I told him how I was raised. And I was raised on a, a whole bunch of legalism and, and stupidity in religion. And he missed the Pink Panther because of it. Yeah. Yeah, that was the reason. Not but we're religion. not going to go into details on that, James, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> And you really educate me every time I come, every, every week. And I'm grateful for that. I don't feel bad about it. Continue to do it. But not on the podcast, whatever. <laughs> okay, so they come and they, they leave their gifts and they go back a different way because they don't want Herod to know. Now, isn't it interesting also that all of a sudden, in the midst of all of this, uh, did I already say that Joseph had a dream? He knew that everything was cool with God. Okay. So he, he's okay. And uh, they have to go to Egypt to hide the baby. And uh, in the midst of, of, of all of this that we're talking about right now, you can see that Mary had to go to her uh, kinfolk's house, Elizabeth, and talk to her because she was pregnant and, and they were way up in age. She also had a miracle baby. Now, when Angel came to Mary, and she said, how can this be? I don't, do not know a man. Said the Holy Ghost will come upon you and birth you. Now, here's, uh, here's the thought I had just the other day. We get, we get Christ inside of us. We, it's called being born again. Christ is birthed in us when we believe. When we believe that he died for our sin. And we get water baptized. Um, and we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. I can understand, and just came and come to me the other day. If it sounds silly, I'm sorry, but it sounds good to me. So that's the reason I'm telling you about it. I can see that we get birth into the kingdom of God by the Holy Spirit. And just as they traveled to Bethlehem, and it was like an uphill climb, and, and the fetus was on the inside of, of Mary and, and getting ready to be uh, birth into the world. It's like we have to walk out our salvation. We get born again, but we we uh, hear the word and grow in faith 
and mature in into things of God, and we go from being a baby Christian to a full-grown Christian, and there's scripture for that. And so I think that's interesting. And it is an uphill battle. So I want to add that. That just came to me the other day. All right. And then when she goes to Elizabeth's house, Zacharias had this vision. He, it was his time to go in as a high priest and do whatever uh, he was to do at that point. And he did that. And he and his wife had been wanting a baby for a long time. It was past time. She couldn't have a baby. So you had a miracle birth here. And then you have a miracle birth, a little different type of miracle birth with, with Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth, when Mary goes to Elizabeth's house, you've got to understand she goes to the house of the high priest. That's almost like going to the DA and, and confessing and confessing that you have uh, done a crime. Because if you had a baby outside of wedlock, you were to be stoned. And she was impregnated, she said, and it was true, uh, out of wedlock, but not as people think, because the Holy Ghost came upon her and she had the Messiah. But she goes there, and but when she gets there, not knowing what's going to happen, she uh, Elizabeth says to her, said, when I heard you say, hey, Mary, when I heard you... Uh, when when I say when I when I heard you say, "Hey Elizabeth, the baby that's John the Baptist jumped on the inside of me, leaped on the inside of me," and so it was kind of like the Holy Ghost moved again. You see, I like to say all the time to all the denominations, there is a Holy Trinity: Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But mainly they wanted to talk about the Father and Son, and don't really believe the Holy Ghost is involved in much anymore. Uh, because that's the way it's preached many times. But the Holy Ghost is very important to being born again. And the Holy Ghost, there is a baptism of the Holy Ghost after the birth, new birth. Okay, so I've gone through all of that. Um, probably in a moment, I'll think of something else to add in. But for now, I've kind of laid the table of how everything looks. And uh, it's funny that John the Baptist in the womb, uh, when when he heard the voice of of uh, his savior's uh, mother, who yeah, that baby Jesus is going to be like his cousin, that that he leaped. The Holy Ghost caused him to leap. So you know what that tells me? John the Baptist uh, believed in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he had an experience with the Holy Ghost. You know, I have to throw stuff in like that. Okay, so that's where I'm going to leave it. Well, you know, the thing hits me. Some things that you wonder could they happen? They happen today. Because the whole nativity scene wouldn't happen because Joseph would just go on Airbnb and, and get a place to stay. No? I get what you're saying. Sometimes there are no Airbnbs available. Oh, sometimes even that's gone. Huh? He tried that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I mean, hotel or an Airbnb or, I mean, there's about a thousand things. There's about a thousand places just in Russ that doesn't seem. I get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I was just being silly. Yeah, that's that is good. I, I tell you, the thing going uphill, I did not know that. That was new to me. So, so elevation wise, Bethlehem was a lot higher. Right. Does anybody else have mm. something to add? Um, one one comment that I'll have, just uh, a question for Chris. What do you? We've gone over this before, but what do you think about Mary's and Joseph's uh, poor man sacrifice or offering? Well, I don't I don't have anything to say on that. I didn't know that we'd gone over it before, but I'm sure that if we went over it before and I had anything mm -hmm. to say, well, you alluded probably magnificent. So you you alluded to Mary's and Joseph's ability to pay taxes and stuff that notes their wealth, 
and also, you know, the gifts they received. But then there's also that passage where they sacrificed the two pigeons, which is the poor man's sacrifice. Well, that's, uh, you know, if you want to make them poor, that's fine with me, but I don't think it's biblically accurate. Uh, I don't know just what the poor man's level was then. I do know this, that you had the very rich and you had the very poor. So, uh, you know, when I got married, I was very poor. So maybe that's what they were doing, but I had enough money to get around. Of course, we live in a different uh, different uh, time time and a different nation. Uh, the only one of the few nations, I should say, that we have three classes of people, and that's beginning to disappear. So, I, I, you know, I, I can't speak to all of that. Uh, if they did it, then that's something they felt like they needed to do. Well, let, let me ask you, Jim, if you don't mind. Okay. Jim, what, what was... What was the income tax level for you to only have to do pigeons as opposed to another? Do you know? Uh, I can't remember what it is, but I know that if you can't afford the traditional sacrifice or the sacrifice that God commanded the Israelites in the law, then you could offer the poor man's sacrifice, right, so, which is the two pigeons. All right. So when did they do this? This was, uh, I forget where it is in the narrative. I don't have the scripture in it's front in of the, me, it's but in it's, a, it's in the Christmas story. Yes. All right. So, so just me being completely neutral, not knowing that story well, I would say they weren't carrying about around a whole bunch of cows, and so they had to do. They they did. It was like you bring along what you can to sacrifice at that time, and that would be considered a poor man's. But surely they didn't. Well, they, so they didn't, the, they, they, they didn't drag uphill fifteen hundred feet, bunch of cattle to, to sacrifice. But Jews did do that. I don't know that so I would. So, so every year, every, every year, this was why it was a big deal for, like, whenever you see that scene in the shows where the Pharisees are turning away those good calves or good uh, yep. uh, sheep for sacrifice, that it wasn't just someone from the local market coming by and showing these Pharisees this sheep. It was people traveling from far away lands. And so that's why it was a huge deal. It wasn't like it was a mere inconvenience. It was like, I have sacrificed like a lot of my time and money to come here to Jerusalem to sacrifice this. And you turned me away. So it was a frequent thing that people did do. Well, I, I, I would, I would say that's, I get your point, but how many people are on a donkey or some other animal with a pregnant wife Trying to go, trying to get to there to pay their taxes, and on their way they're going to drag two unblemished lamb. Or do you think they're going to take the the travel size toothpaste and go with with that with what they can carry? I, I I've always wondered about that because because he was a carpenter, he had a skill. What what I don't see evidence that he was dirt poor. Well, it should be also noted that this is an agrarian society. And so being a carpenter, yes, it has its value, but the status in Jerusalem is in large part determined by land ownership. Well, well, like you, you're wanting to make him poor. I don't, I don't care. But I'm not going to make him poor. <laughs> <laughs> well, my question is, do you, think, do you think that they were involved in tithing? Do you think that uh, Joseph tithed? Uh, according to the Old Testament, sure. 10% of his income. Jim? I think that Mary and Joseph were doing what was right, and I don't think that they were shortcutting anything. Okay. That's my point. Well, my point is this. 
The Bible says that if you tithe, that the windows of heaven will open up and God will pour out a blessing. There's not room enough to you for you to receive. So uh, something. Would you say that that was part of the new covenant or old covenant? That's old. That, that that's old covenant, but that is a blessing that uh, I still believe and uh, I still preach that, and I mm-hmm. have done that, and it's made me rich. So I, I you see, the only thing that you're going to receive from God is by faith. You have to. That's the only way. Without faith, it's impossible to believe. Uh, to please God. You've got to believe that he is, not he was. And there's a whole lot of he was preaching going on. There's a whole lot of uh, the day of miracles is past. There never was a day of miracles. There's a God of miracles and he's not passed away. And tithing still works. So um, so what you're saying, they tithe, they, were, they wouldn't be poor. Yeah. Me, so, so we're looking for that evidence now. So, so all right, so... With a pigeon sacrifice, if they would not have done the poor, what would they have had to done? What, what I, I forget what it is. It's either in, it was a livestock. Yeah, that's right. I well, just I mean, don't know it, if it, God's going to want you cutting corners. Like, I don't know if that, I don't know if you being pregnant is always going to be the, a good excuse to God on cutting corners on the. I don't sacrifice. know if it's cutting corners. I mean, here, here's what I'm getting at. You're, you're a carpenter. You're not, uh, you're not agrarian. You're not out there with, you got what you've got. You've got yep. you got some money. You got you're 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 doing fine, but you're getting ready to travel. You don't have any cows. You have to go buy them, maybe. Well, are there any there? Everybody's up there trying to. I, I just I guess what I'm saying. I don't want to read too much into that pigeon sacrifice. To me, to me, it just tells me on that particular day that's what they could do. Some days I don't think some that, days that was. I don't think that you can read it. Is that that's what they could do? Some days my tithe is the pigeon sacrifice. Trust me, because that's all I have. Well, yeah, but then I would say, like, I wouldn't say that you were poor in the sense, like, oh, you're destitute. But I would also say that you're definitely not wealthy. Yeah, I get, I get what Jim's saying. But what is rich? I thought rich was an abundant supply. Well, that's a vague definition, but yes, like, there's more. There's more than one way of looking at wealth, and I would say that if you're talking about God's provisions, then they were extremely wealthy. Right. And I wouldn't say as far as. They were never like if you're looking at it as Bill Gates, well, no, they weren't. Nor if you're looking at it even as Chris Whitswell, no, they weren't. But I Jeff, can't see it that way. What he was talking about was people trying to make them poverty. That's exactly poverty. right. And that's where he was coming. He didn't say that I, they were Bill Gates. I, I'm tired of of uh, gospel, which is good news. I'm tired of it being preached in such a fashion. You're more holy. The poorer you are. I agree. I guess we're doing it. Does, it doesn't. People are preaching that. I don't, think, I don't think I've ever been to church, though, where, like, I, I believe that there are people out there who are preaching the poorer you are, the more holy you are. But I've never been to a church that actually does preach that. It kind of went out with the Middle Ages. I'll well, I, I believe that. Things. I mean, churches have changed tremendously. What were those monks called that didn't, that got poor? Is it Stemius? What were they called? Something like that. Those monks that would. You're the professional here on that in that regard. That's exactly right. Like they were called Estemius. I think that's what they were. <laughs> yeah, I said. Yeah. Anyway, could have it could have been another word. It's an A word, but uh, lithonomia. Lithonomia. Anyway, I, that's how I feel about it. I, I I I think that that there there was a miscommunication there. I don't think that that anybody's saying that they were Bill Gates. I don't think anybody's saying that. And I'm not saying I am either. Right. <laughs> but I, I don't think that they're even Chris Whitwell. 
Like, I don't think that they were that sort of wealthy either. I think that they were uh, offering what the bottom tier of society offered. It doesn't well, mean that day, they were. Yeah, that day, does it say that they always did? I, I, I'm with them, though. I don't I don't know about. I mean, maybe you're maybe we're not quite on the same page on this, but it just doesn't seem that that people were making exceptions on sacrifices like that. If like you if you're commanded to sacrifice a certain thing, that's a command. It's not saying, well, unless, you know, it's like the free base <clears throat> cocaine guy. You know what I'm talking about, Jim? <laughs> it's like, well, you know, I'll sacrifice pigeons if, and then you start. Well, I don't think that's what they did. I, I think, think that, that was, was that the, the dedication of Jesus? I mean, if we can call that a dedication of Jesus when he was a baby, is that what we're talking about? Is that when he gave the two? Let me, uh, I don't know when let me pull up these. Yeah. Say I that again. Scripture. Go pull up the scripture. Yeah. Okay. I had never heard this before, so I'm thinking about it for the first time. But that, I don't know. To me, it makes sense. All right. But I'm trying to say again that I have every week I tithe. Every week. Now, some days I'm sure that the people look at my tithe check and say, how's he eating if he's really giving 10%. Well, I gave the pigeon sacrifice that week. That's all I made. Well, yeah, well, then, 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 it's, then it's, it's agreeing with, you're kind of agreeing with I, Jim. I don't have to make the pigeon sacrifice for, I don't have to, if, if I made money a year ago, that's, I, I'll pay the interest on it, but yeah. I don't have to sacrifice on that. But at the time, at this time, that's what I'm saying. At this time, they, they were, were sacrificing they were. what the bottom tier of society yeah. sacrificed. I think that, I, th- I have a feeling that everybody but the super wealthy have occasion where they made nothing that week. Well, yeah. That's that's my point. I, I, All right, so it's in Luke 2. Let's see. So that would have been right around the birth narrative. Let's I'm going to pray that this week I can give more than the pigeon sacrifice. <laughs> By the way, this is this is not this is not an area that I'm like going to you know, stake my Christianity on, but like I'm just more interested well, than I anything. I think you brought that up before, and I, and I, I at the time I listened to this time I decided to. Well, I'll tell you this I don't think that we have a right to make rich people feel bad or poor people to feel bad. And yeah. that's, that's where I'm coming from. I have been uh, years ago, I mean, I've been in this town for 42 years. And years ago, I had a professor come and tell me uh, he was part of my church. And tell me that I didn't need to be preaching how that the Lord will prosper you. And I think I kind of got back in his face a little bit. And and I told him that, uh, and he said I was making the poor people feel bad. Let me tell you, through the years, we've seen people that were uh, down and out that have become very blessed of God. I had one fellow tell me, he said, man, he said, you poured all this concrete out here. I can't come to church here anymore because my car is old and it leaks oil and it's going to leave bad spots. I said, I don't care. You come in your car. You let it leak oil on that concrete. I could care less. And uh, I'm sure that man isn't driving a car that leaks oil anymore. At least I hope he's not. Because if you will apply the scripture, God is a God that blesses you. I can assure you that if you go to a, a, a quick oil change place, your car will be leaking all soon. What? <laughs> Just kidding. I got a friend that's got one of we, those places. We go to one and it's fine. It was a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, what they were doing in Luke 2 was they were taking Jesus up for purification rites 
at the temple in Jerusalem. That was and so this was this was after their trip to Bethlehem. Okay, so they had the gold site, frankincense, and myrrh, but they still gave them. What happened to all that money? They didn't say how <laughs> much. Good point. They spent it in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> I want an audit here. (laughs) I'll let you be the one to ask for that. (laughs) So, anyway, Glenn, you've been awfully quiet. Glenn. Well, I think I'm the heavy breather. That's why I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it did stop when you were on mute. <laughs> so it was me? No, no, it was Glenn. It was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, I was going to be upset with Doc if it was me. I was just asking Because you. of anything other than I was just upset with him. I, yeah, I, I was just joking. I know what Glenn's going to say before he says it. What? <laughs> Leave Glenn alone. I just love that both you guys are being self-conscious right now, trying to figure out if you're breathing into the mic. Notice, I thought it was me. Yeah. No, I could hear it on the on speaker. I knew it was one of them. I just didn't know. So, do you have anything to say, Glenn? I am your father. No. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I think I think it's it's a struggle. I like. Pastorowitz take that you're neither saved if you're rich or poor necessarily by what you give. Um, it's how you give it, I think, the way the spirit you give it in. So, uh, and the tithing to the church. So I, I don't, you know, and I think Jim's point about, or I think all our points was about that uh, Mary and Joseph necessarily were not the poorest of poor, uh, but they weren't of largest means. Is a good point, but they weren't just the dirt poor. And then this whole idea that somehow the poor are more are spiritually superior to morally, but intellectually inferior is somewhat uh, very troublesome to me. Right. I just don't think that's true. That's right. So that's what I think, James. Now I'll mute so I don't breathe heavy. <laughs> you know, I've said this before, and in fact, I I had a discussion with a even with a Catholic priest about about the topic because there's two philosophies that are that are non secular: uh, Stoicism and Epicureanism. Stoicism meaning that you basically take things as they come and you'd be happy regardless of your circumstance. Epicurean meaning is that you're going to seek pleasure, which really means seeking satisfaction. That's that's what the, the, what what a, a mature person would be that was Epicurean. And I make the point that both of them have their flaws, both of them have their strengths as a non-Christian. But as a Christian, you'll see that e- whether you come from things that naturally as stoic or naturally as epicurean as you advance as a mature believer you can't tell the difference it becomes the same thing as a christian things happen i'm going to say god wills it i'm going to he by doing that i know he's got some satisfaction for me out of this and i need to take the circumstances and make it right that's that's kind of how i i see things now, I, I, that means that I can't go with this idea that I can just pray and money's going to appear. But I can say that whatever circumstance God puts me in, his logistical grace, his grace to take care of me 
and allow me to do whatever his will is in that situation will be that much, perhaps no more, but that much. So whatever, if I'm in the will of God, stoically, I'm going to take that. But I know that there's some satisfaction that comes from being in the will of God and that God takes care of me logistically. Mm -hmm. And that might mean a lot of money. and It might just be enough for a pigeon sacrifice. But at least I have those two pigeons to sacrifice. Exactly. Because I, I don't think that any believer should go around poor mouthing. I think that no matter I your agree. lack of That's money. A good point. May I say that? I just want to yeah. emphasize that. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's, it would be a sin to go out and poor mouth. Oh, woe is me all the time. That doesn't mean to say, hey, man, I just had a bad setback. Right. My car blew up. I don't have a car. That's right. That's not the same thing. But God hates me. He's this, this is his way of punishing me for, for what I did to Susie. Yeah. Scripture says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And here's the part. Running over shall men give into your bosom. That's why I believe that needs to be preached. But if you preach that, oh, he's just one of those uh, blab it and grab it guys. He's a prosperity preacher. Well, I'll take every bit of that criticism because <laughs> I don't see it as a criticism. I see it as preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I see Mark eleven twenty five. I believe it is. What things serve you desire. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So I think, and I've taught this to my people, you need to go around and tell people that you are rich. Rich means an abundant supply. All right. So, Jim, I, I took the air out of the basketball long enough for you to be able to read about the pigeons. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I was, I was. Oh, I thought, what's up? I was stalling for time to give you. He already read about the pigeons. Yeah, I did. Oh, you're finished? You have nothing else to add about the pigeons? Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. I was, Professional podcast. Yeah, no. So just that just kind of led to my reading more just about the earth narratives any, anyway. But, um, yeah, no. On the eighth day, they're required to go up to Jerusalem and, and sacrifice an animal. I just don't know necessarily how that relates to their going down to Egypt. I know that that's a point of contention as far as scholarship goes as to whether how the trip to Egypt fits in with the uh, birth narrative because Luke and Matthew differ, but I've never really been too interested in those, if you want to call them discrepancies, you could call it that, or in the differences of the stories. All I know is that that was kind of a sidetrack that I found myself wait, wait, rapidly two, going, going so two, I stopped. What's the two stories? What's the two differences? So in Luke, you have, you have Mary and Joseph going up to the temple on the eighth day to have, well, it seems like it's the eighth day. It says whenever the time came for purification rites for Jesus, they went up to the temple and they offered those pigeon sacrifices and purified them. And that's when Simeon sees Jesus and raises him up and uh, sings that song. But then in Matthew, you have a different story where Joseph and Mary have the baby and uh, the wise men came and see them in Bethlehem, which, by the way, is why I disagree with people who might say that the wise men were very far away or much further behind than the shepherds were, because why were Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem that long? You know, if, gotcha. if, if Jesus was really two years old, anyway, it doesn't really matter. All, all that's to say is that somewhere in there, Matthew's, story about Joseph and Mary's trip to Egypt happened. And so there's like a point of contention there. It's like, well, did that happen? Or 
Luke and Matthew disagreeing or does this all fit? Is there a way of harmonizing it? And so I have, I've just found myself while you guys were talking and while I was looking that up, going down that rabbit hole and I'm stopping, I'm stopping going down that rabbit hole right now. Okay. But, well, the thing I get from this though, is that after receiving the gold, frankincense and myrrh, they still did a pigeon sacrifice. It seems like to me it ought to have been. If you're going to harmonize Matthew and Luke, because where, where they received the gold, frankincense and myrrh is in Matthew. Luke doesn't mention that. Luke mentions the shepherds. Well, Matthew writes everything down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little chosen humor there. All right. Well, I think we've solved it. Yeah, we solved it. Jake, you, you can close down the seminaries now. <laughs> yeah, we can. And uh, we. we... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to ask on 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 uh, on on the air. How how do you think you did on your Greek exam? Uh, I think that nothing surprised me. So if I made mistakes, it was out of carelessness and thoughtlessness. Okay. What's amphora mean? Say that again? Amphora. Amphora? I have no idea. I thought you took Greek. I did. One semester. <laughs> <laughs> I happened to come across that Greek word. It's a vessel that they used for shipping back in the back in the day. 500 BC. I didn't, mm-hmm. expect, I didn't expect you to know what amphora was, and I won't remember next week what one is, but if you ask me today, I know what one is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I know what the word "the" is in Greek. What word? The T H E. Okay. I can tell you that. <laughs> what is it? The. <laughs> I'm not going to go through the conjugation of the. I was just wait, wait, joke, wait! But You're talking about the like the dog or the declensatives the. No, never mind. Never mind. This joke is bad. Oh, I get it now. I'm slow. All right, I'm with you. We're talking about. I'm not. Well, uh, well, I, if, if I'm getting it right now, there is there is the formal or not the formal. There's the, I don't call it informal, informal, formal. I can either say thee or thou or you or your. No, never mind. Don't even worry about it. It was just a definitive article that I was talking about. Don't or definite article. Don't worry about it. Yes, it's fine. I'm not worried about any of this. Can we please move on? Now I'm worried about it. Yeah. I want to learn. <laughs> I want a new wrinkle in my brain. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm not worried I'm, about this. I think for the, yeah, <laughs> no, it's Z. It's not this. He said V. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I do know me. this too. Yeah, I'm worried about me. He knows me. This is that. Yeah, I know me. This that. If you want to know all about that, we can talk about it. My goodness. Oh, that's funny. So, do you have any anything else you have to turn in this year? I mean, this semester. Yeah. So I have my doctoral synthesis on bibliology. That is the doctrines of inerrancy or inspiration, inerrancy, authority canonicity and sufficiency and so i had fun with that project and then i also have a another paper that is on ephesians nineteen twenty two, which is a close reading of the text and you're given the uh, author's background and the audience's background as well as what my interpretation of that text is and how it fits overall in the bible and how i apply it to my particularly my daily life and ministry and so anyway that's a fun paper, too, because I really love to do close readings. It doesn't even matter if it's uh, scripture or just secular or ancient texts. I love doing the close reading part of that, especially if you're 
discussing with other authors, which we're unfortunately not at this point in time because there's just not enough space to do so. But that is one of my favorite things to do is just really soaking up as much as you can out of uh, paragraphs in an ancient text. And so that's been fun to do as well. So, James, there was another topic which I'm not going to mention. Were we going to discuss that also on this podcast? Well, we're, we got we got 20, 35 minutes to talk about it. You're talking about the gays? Yes. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Um, what, what he's, what, what, for the listeners, what he's talking about is, is that yesterday the Pope clarified his October 6th statement that there was he was considering whether or not the Catholic Church should withhold blessings from people who are gay. And he came out, it came out either yesterday, the day before, I think it was the day before yesterday, with an eight-page document that came from the doctrinal, what was it called? I'm not prepared to talk about the exact, they called it the doctrinal office. Nope, something office. Anyway, that office was created back during the, the last waning days of the Inquisition. 1500s and the purpose of that office was that there were there were priests who were who were all right so to get this right the pope is part of the curia you got to understand that the curia would be in effect the executive branch now i'm not a catholic expert this is my understanding so so they'll be like the administrative branch they're the enforcers so this is they'll say okay so the curia would say this is how we're going to do the mass. This is the, this is um, what, you know, the, the, these are the things that the doctors of the church, and if a priest gets out of line, it's the curia that goes and gets that priest. Okay, but the, but the curia administratively cannot make doctrinal, doctrinal or dog, dog statements of dogma or tradition of the church. That's all done by what they call the magisterium. All doctrines are approved by them. All right, so that would be more of a, I would almost say, you know, the legislative branch is God. He's the one who writes the laws, writes the rules, right? Then somebody has to interpret them, basically, and, and come up with a, that's done by the magisterium. So, so nothing, the, the Pope can't change Catholic doctrines or dogma. They can't do that. So when he makes a, pro- a pronouncement, it's more like an executive order. I'm not going to, what they're supposed to be doing, the main thing it was supposed to do is protect the Eucharist, the, the Lord's Supper, and confession. So it, the people who can and can't take the, Lord, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, would be someone like Joe Biden is not allowed to take communion because he believes in abortion. So he's been shut out, okay? So if a priest were to to give him communion, that's when the, the the curia, the pope or whoever's under him, is supposed to go to that priest and stop him from giving the Eucharist to somebody who shouldn't be getting it. Okay, they're in mortal sin. That's what he can do. So basically what this thing has done, if I'm understanding it right, is they're just saying we're not going to go get a priest who will offer a blessing to a homosexual. They can't do they can't have homosexual marriages because that's outside the authority of the Pope and the Curia. So everybody thinks of him as a dictator. He's not. He's got a position, and that's to be to administer the rules and the and the and the, the doctrines of the church. The only way that you could change the Catholic Church to say that they allow homosexual marriages is for the magisterium to do that. 
and those guys have the red hats, they don't take kindly to changing. <laughs> they don't like to take, take kindly to changing anything. Okay. So those guys have not been consulted. They have not changed their doctrine. They will not change their doctrine. And I'll, I'll say this, that they have this set up this way for this very purpose. I do believe this is a bad pope. I'm not, a, I'm not Catholic, so I can say that. I think he is very bad for the church. He's a Jesuit. Jesuits are communist. I'm convinced of that. When he came in, he was, he's from Argentina. At the time, they were communists. And I think he is a communist, which is a mortal sin in the Catholic Church. It's not the first pope who's committed mortal, sin, mortal sins. They've had a much, much worse than this pope. This pope is nothing compared to something they've had in the past. And the Catholic Church survived those popes, and they're going to survive this one. So I do believe that he is part of a move to undermine the Catholic Church. I do believe that, but that's my personal opinion. And I do respect the Catholics who, who continue to at least remain silent about it. I don't have to. I'm not Catholic. But I'm going to say the Catholic Church is not in any way, shape, or form close to allowing homosexual marriages in the Catholic Church. That's not even close, okay? All he's saying is, I'm not going to go after a priest who blesses a homosexual. That's all that happened. So, whether or not that's... Who blesses a homosexual that's in a homosexual relationship, or just blesses a homosexual who's what? Well, they're not real. This is a homosexual marriage. So, blesses a homosexual marriage. No, that's not true. That's what. That's not that true. That is what the article said. That's what the article may say. That's not. He can't yeah. do that. First of all, if he did that, he would be he would be violating their own laws. Well, it, it sounded that way to begin with, but there was clarification yesterday. And he is not blessing the marriage. No. He's blessing the individual. The individual, yeah, not it, not the marriage it, at all. No, no, no. So, so okay. From what I, yeah, from what I understood, it's not that he, they cannot get married in the Catholic Church, but they can. It's almost like a, a another type of ceremony where they're blessing the relationship. They're blessing the That's relationship. Not, they're not he's blessing clarified. the individual sinner. I think yes. he's. I think he's clarified. You know, you know why. Sure, the magisterium said, called him up and said, "What are you doing?" Yeah, so so he they're, they're not blessing they're not blessing the marriage that that the article very clearly stated that. Now again, that article could be way wrong. I don't. I'm I'm just telling you what it said that they're not blessing the marriage, but they are blessing the relationship. You can well, go there and it's a. I don't separate, think that's right. I, I don't think that's right. Thing. They're blessing the people in the relationship, not the relationship. But exactly. I think they're acknowledging that there is a. They're, yeah. While they're blessing them, and it's, it is an acknowledgement that they are in a homosexual relationship. Here's how you'll know: if they, if the priest is allowed to offer confession to somebody who's actively homosexual, then you know he's crossed the line, and the magisterium is going to ask why, why curia. Why are you not enforcing this? You're letting people take the Eucharist who are in mortal sin. So I doubt that. I have my doubts mm-hmm. that what you're saying is yeah, correct. Yeah. I do. Well, I mean, it's ABC News, so it's not like it's the most yeah. reliable. Yeah. The clarification I heard was, and it was clear, it said that the priest was not blessing the marriage. He was blessing the individual. Mm-hmm. In the relationship. Yeah. yeah. And that doesn't mean he's offering confession. But I mean, you know, there's a hairline there. Well, uh, well, this is what I'm trying to say to you. This isn't the first bad pope. Right. He's pushing a limit that was unnecessary. Yeah. They should be condemning clearly and absolutely homosexuality is a sin. However, we want you to come to church. Right. 
Please come to church. Yes, I agree. We want you here. But I, I do think he's trying to blur the line. I do believe that's well, what he's well, doing. I think that's the purpose of what he's doing. It could be. I don't. Well, I think what, he's an evil man. How I hate to say that. If you're Catholic, I apologize. I want to let you know this. Yeah. I think you'll survive this. I don't think the Catholic Church is going to suffer whatsoever over this. I don't know. I think I think the magisterium is going to say no. So how often does the Pope bless anybody about anything? I don't understand. Well, I mean, that. they go out there and you see them in the Pope mobile, you know, <laughs> going along with the. He's blessing people all the time. So it doesn't really. I don't think it's doing anything except it's what he's trying to create. The just what we're talking about here. He's trying to create create confusion. And I'll just say this: had I not read canon law, I would have known the difference between those two offices. And I happen to know it. It just got lucky. But I'm going to say this: that magisterium doesn't move. They they don't move. They don't. They they complain about quit doing the Latin mass. They don't move. You they, hear what I'm saying? They're, they're like not. They're like the Supreme Court, except conservative all the way. Yeah. There's already anybody in there that's going to. They, they can't. It's almost impossible to move them. So I'm not afraid of this pope at all. Well, with with the spirit, if I could say it that way, the spirit of wokeness. <laughs> that sounds like what is kind of invading all nations and some religions. I would say that it's more likely that your church will have a homosexual, the church I go to now, will have a homosexual pastor before the king, before the Catholics do. Oh, you hear me? Oh, I hope you're wrong. Well, what I'm trying to say is that they would, they, because you're, you are small, comparatively speaking to the Catholic church, everybody's small. That big old church is not going to budge. We are not small. The Protestant church is the main Church, but I'm going to say I'm going to say we are bigger than the Catholic. I'm talking church. about your individual that individual building is more likely to have a homosexual there than a, than a, than the priest here being being openly homosexual. That's what I'm trying to say. You can't budge them. You could budge. You could you could overwhelm that church with and, and trick them into it. Whatever you see, what I'm saying I don't think there's any chance it's going to happen at all. But it's more likely than it will that will the Catholic Church starts allowing homosexuals. It's not happening. It's just not happening. I mean, you have to understand that magisterium will not be moved. And if it does, I'll eat my words. But it's not happening. And I'm not Catholic, guys. I'm just telling you. I've read the canon law, and, it, and I've seen what it takes to change the doctrine, and they're not changing. <laughs> they're not. They don't. They, they listen. They seriously didn't want to quit having mass in Latin. They don't change. It took forever to get them to do that. People want to go back to that too. They, Some people want to go, back, want to to go back to Latin Mass. Yeah. I like Latin when well, I they think it's better when I don't understand they, it. They, <laughs> I, they, I've seen enough people now talk about it to where they they swear it's like supernatural. Like, oh, I, I have a hard time believing that's you. Know, here's my problem. I'm not getting you. I don't I'm care. Getting yeah, there. Yeah, I'm getting there. Care. Listen, I hate the Romans. I hate the Spartans. <laughs> I hate the Romans. I don't like them. Good. Bunch of law people. They control. That anti-freedom, I don't. No, I don't like those. those I don't like that. I like the freedom. Which, all right, if you have freedom, you're going to have gays. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's just part of freedom. You're going to have people exercise their freedom to hurt themselves and others. That's what they're going to do. They just have to hide it when they're Roman or the, the Spartans were open with it. How too. is this connecting to Latin Mass? I don't think Latin has any holiness to it. I think it has evil. I don't think that Latin is a holy language at all. Think it's a it's a law and it's a, it's a 
it's a language of force. It's a language of rule. It's a language of lording over you. I don't that this idea that Latin is some type of holy language is funny. It's not even a biblical language. I'm not in this. I'm not in this fight or anything. But it was a translation of the biblical language. Right, it's like right. saying English. It's like saying English is a holy language, but it's weird. They're like, saying it's a holy language. I, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is that they like so much about it, but they, they, they do like it. Sounds like tongues. That's why. Maybe. What's that? I was just thinking on tongues a moment ago, but I wasn't going to get in involved in this. Well, I mean, you know, I talk about the Romans in ancient history a lot, and there's certain leaders that I liked, and there's stories that are fun to tell. And we got into this Zenobia yesterday because of Steve. Um, the, uh, but, but I'm not a fan either of Sparta or Rome, not at all. Now, did they preserve our free, our Western civilization? I will say yes, but they, to answer your question, but, Doc, I don't know why they would think it was. Yeah, I don't either. I've never been, and I'm not Catholic, so yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, and I, they don't. They're not really specific on why they like it. They just say they really enjoy Latin Mass. Well, it comes. Well, it, it is beautiful. The, the the Vulgate is beautiful. Apparently, Latin. Yeah, that's that's yeah. yeah. So you know more than you were than you were letting on yeah. on why they would like it. Oh. So I mean, you could have you could have started off with that and then and then gone into he's gone, well you know it's an evil it's an evil language he's like, gone through the okay. Catholic course twice yeah and yeah. he didn't become Catholic. he's setting a record but uh, <laughs> <laughs> they they asked him they asked him to start teaching the course the priest did but uh, James uh, told him one thing that he didn't believe in and 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 the priest said. You're right. You're not Catholic. <laughs> good, but, good, but look, good memory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I won't forget that. But think about this. Since we're on the topic of Catholicism, um, the Bible says that we are kings and priests as, as believers, or one translation, a kingdom of priests. But as far as the gifts of God uh, for the church, it's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher for the perfecting of the saints. So um, I'm, I'm just saying that to say that we are a kingdom of priests. Yeah. We, 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 we make today, we don't make sacrifices of lambs and bullocks and goats. We make a sack or turtle doves. We make a pigeons. Yeah, pigeons that was it. <laughs> and we make a sacrifice of praise. But the problem is that our our, our our praise in a lot of our churches doesn't even measure up to a turtle dove. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let me say what you said. You know, the first I want to check with Jim, does, does what I said about the Catholic church hierarchy or, or structure fit with what you learned in seminary this month? Well, we haven't really engaged in conversation about Catholicism, even though I will say that I think that a lot of the uh, differences between Catholics and Protestants are more misunderstandings as far as many Protestants believe that Catholics still hold to things they held to in the 1600s or 16th century, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, they still think that the Catholic Church is the same as the Catholic Church in the 16th century whenever Martin Luther wrote his uh, 95 Theses, and that's just not true. True. Right. Not when Martin Luther wrote his 95 Thesis, I'm sorry. Um, whenever the uh, 
shoot, I forget what it was, but the Protestants hold this outdated notion of the Catholics that just simply isn't there anymore. Mar- the Catholics Mar- hold. Huh? Martin Luther led ultimately to a reformation of the Catholics. That's exactly right. Yes, yes. And so I don't think that there are, like, there are lots of things that I like about the Catholic Church. The thing that's preventing me from even considering going in there is exclusion from communion with the rest of the church, who I believe is rightfully in the church. And so their exclusion of that means that I'm just not going to even consider being part of the church. I have more problems than that. Well, I I, I see it as a form of religion that denies the power of God. I, that, they, uh, that, that, I, I, yeah, I, I do believe that's you not knowing that, that church. I know they believe. And I, I listened to a Catholic speaker recently on, on, on a video, and man, he, he was right on line with the things that I believe. I know they believe in miracles. I know as all much as that. anybody. Yeah, as much true. as anybody. They believe in casting out devils. They got people. Some of them. Do. They got people hired to go out and confirm those miracles. Yeah. That's how much they like because they don't want you to. They want to make sure that they're real and that they don't. Nobody can take them away either. All right. Let me tell you and, what and, mine and, is. Let and, me tell you what mine is. Let me finish just for a moment here. You're the giant <laughs> preacher. I'll be quiet. Thank you. <laughs> I want to finish because I was uh, president of Minnesota Alliance here in Ruston more times than I can count. And there were, there's a certain denomination that I'm not going to mention. The pastors would not come because the Catholic priest came. I had no problem with the Catholic priest coming. I could not understand a certain denomination that would not show up because there were Catholic priests. And the other thing they didn't like, there were women pastors. And that pretty well, we eventually, well, the the Ministerial Alliance in Ruston died. Well, the women pre- pre- preachers, we'll talk about that another day. The, but let me, let me say what mine is. All right, I agree with Jim. It's, it's, I don't like the fact that something has cost it where my wife and I cannot take communion uh, together. I, I, I agree. There's something wrong about that, I think. And I covered right. that the week that you weren't here, I believe. I don't, I don't remember. I haven't missed that many. But this is what I'll say, Jim. My big one is that I'm not willing to give up the notion of a believer priest. <clears throat> that my that my prayers are direct to, yes. to God in Jesus' name. That I have the ability to tell the seas to calm because I am a priest. Amen. That I, I am a you. priest. That I have that type of a power. Now I think that God's got to give it. On a, I think it's a case by case basis. I don't right. get to control the weather. But I, but I believe my that my blessings come straight from God. I don't have to go through a, a priest. Amen. And so the fact that they still call their ministers priests, priests instead of pastor teachers, I'm not ready to make that. that and the, the old timers would say about what you just said: you brought the house down, and that's a, a good thing. Is that why? Uh, is that why you like the priests? That I'm assuming it wasn't Father Kevin; it was before him. Uh, but is that why they they uninvited you from? Oh no, he was going to let me in. The Domin- the, the uh, not the Dominican. What's the, what's the Dominicans and what's the other one? I can't never remember. You got it. Starts with an S. Anyway, I think it does. Anyway, I'll I'm, I'm, come to me in a minute. Um, he, no, he was allowed. He would have allowed me in, even though I thought that that the that the that communion was just symbolic. Yeah. If I thought 
that it was because I because I do believe it's one of the most important things we do is to take communion, Lord's Supper. I believe it's very vital. And even as a small, small child, when we were drinking the little Kool-Aids, I took that seriously. My parents would say, you confess. Don't you dare take communion. They call it Lord's Supper without confessing. You confess. They suggest you confess right before you take it. Right. Confess your sins directly to God. Did take it. What's the word that means substantiation? Is that it? Transubstantiation. That's what I that's what I have a little bit of problem with. But I will say this. I'm not. I've decided because of Jim and Doc that I'm going to back off that. The miracle is the miracle. If if that's what that if that's what they believe, I have no problem with saying that there's a miracle that we can't taste it, we can't tell it, we not the DNA doesn't change, but there's the miracle that that is the body and blood of Christ, and we eat our God. I, I mean, it sure sounds like you're the way you finish that. It sure sounds like you're accepting it. Kind of. Yeah. Well, so. Like, I don't have a problem with those beliefs either. I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. And I think that Catholics are just as safe as Protestants, most of them. You know, obviously, it's a case-by-case basis. But as far as the overall Catholic Church as a whole, I don't see them straying so far that they've ventured into uh, non-salvation, that they're, all, they're condemning the whole church to hell by their practices. Um, again, it's just those two things. It could be those two things. I could agree with that. But I believe that I am a priest. Uh, that the Bible says that I am, that these apostles have preached that over and over and over again. And also that uh, I want to be able to take communion with the church as a whole. It's not my fault. Like, I'm willing to take communion with Catholics. It's on the Catholics for not being willing to take communion with them. As soon as I step into that church, then now I'm being the exclusive one. And so I don't want to put myself in that position. I'm not going to. And that's just simply why I'm not Well, I need to give you an amen now, Jim. That's, that's good. I, I believe that. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I, I, I have to get going, but it was great talking to you guys. Hey, okay. thanks, Jim. We'll see you soon in person. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you guys uh, this Saturday. All right. Thanks. All right. See you. All right. Well, we still have a few minutes left, but that's that's my take on this thing. I, I want to say this. We have Catholic listeners to, on this podcast, and you ought to be able to tell by now I have a love and appreciation for that church that I believe Western civilization, God used it to save through the Catholic Church, that the Catholic Church has made mistakes, but what church has not? Right. That they are not, when you're that big and you've been around that long, you're going to be able to find mistakes that were made. But what I'm going to say is this. We talked about it when we, in a podcast about the, the, the um, November, November, the gunpowder treason and plot. That, there was some a bad pope at that time. He was not a good man. He had what six children, Glenn? I can't remember. It was several illegitimate children. Yeah, yeah, quite a few illegitimate children. He was a bad guy, and I don't blame the king of England for saying, "Whoa, you're doing this for political reasons." He was a he, they they had they he wasn't just a pope. He was an emperor or a head of papal states, just like you know they were in England. So he had diplomacy and things that were more non-secular secular than they were non-secular. I don't have a problem with that. If you've been in business since the year zero and you don't have anything happen bad in that church, that would be remarkable. Okay, so yes, they've made mistakes. They admit them. But what I'm trying to say is it's not easy to budge them. And I appreciate that. I've got an appreciation for the Catholic Church. And 
in fact, because of that, I think that's why I have a wife and a daughter that are already Catholic and another one's converted. I think they, I think that I've praised them too much. <laughs> Maybe. You know what I'm saying? I have an appreciation for that church. I do. But I don't want to give up my belief. I don't, I do not want to give up my believer priesthood. I don't want to give up that my confession is to God. It doesn't have to go to a priest. I don't need the blessing or the, or the, the absolving of a priest. Maybe I'll change my mind someday, but right now, I like that direct relationship, Pastor. I do. Yeah. And, and, and so that's my big problem. That's my big problem. I'm like Jim. I don't like the fact that we're excluding others from communion. It, but it's that. It's there. It's there. But all the Catholics, please stick with us. I don't. I don't. Oh, yeah. And, and I want to say something too. If you go and read just the definition of justification in the in the Catechism, you're going to agree with it. That that your freedom from the penalty of sin is basically comes from Christ. Amen. Except, all right. Yes. And yes. so go. I, I, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to start reading that on the, on this and tell people go read that because whether you're Catholic or Protestant, it spells out the plan of salvation as good as any. Problem is, you read the rest of the, 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 the catechism, it becomes blurred. And so a Catholic would have a very very difficult time explaining why, if I believe in that in in that what is stated in the catechism on justification. Why am I not saved? You see what I'm saying? Yes. And Catholics have a trouble explaining that. They'll say, well, no, you don't have to be Catholic to be saved. Well, how can I be saved? And they have trouble explaining that to me. I'm not, I'm not ever doing that to embarrass them or anything. It's only I want to know. I literally would like to know how can a Protestant be saved outside the church? Because my argument has been all along that, that the Catholic Church sees the salvation is of the church, that the church itself is saved. Now, we agree, we'll agree that everybody in the church is saved, all right? But what, what a Protestant believes, and I would love to have a Catholic priest on to talk about this. I've had talks with discussions with them. They're going to go with this, that to get that, that the Salvation is with the church, so to get through Christ, it's through the church. Whereas a Protestant's going to say, you accept Christ, and from Christ, you're into the church. Yeah. In that order. Because he's, we're just part of the body. We are the body of Christ. So salvation brings you into the body, but Jesus is the head of the body. But the Catholics see it and the, the church, other way around. The church is supposed to be the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of it. Okay, um, you're you're leaning back a little bit far. That's all. Okay, but anyway, do, do you see what you see what I'm saying about the difference between the two? Yeah, Doc, no, okay. no, I get it. Yeah, okay. And and just like I said the other day, I've gone to a couple of different denominations here lately to their church service, and I went enough that they had a communion service. Nobody kept me from taking communion. It was open to all believers. You can be a Catholic and go to one of these churches in town. And when they have communion, nobody's going to stop you from taking communion. They don't think it's real communion, though. Well, they're going to say that you committed a mortal sin. you got to go confess it. If you take, if they take communion yeah. outside the Catholic Church, it's considered a mortal sin. Yeah, that's right. I have a problem with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me too. I mean, that's what Jim said. Yeah. We think that all, if you really truly believe that, that doesn't, you don't have to be Catholic, that anybody could be saved if, now again, I don't, I can't ever get that formula. Uh, but yeah, no, it's considered a mortal sin. But 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 I want to tell you again that that 
there's whole, not a whole lot of difference once you accept Christ, right? So if you're in the Catholic Church and you go through all the things they ask you to do, you know, RCIA if you're an adult, catechism if you're a child, you go through that, learn the doctrines and dogmas of the church, how it's set up, and then you get you get uh, you go through a scrutiny and they realize you're there, you're serious about this, and then they elect you to come into the church, not the election to salvation, but election to the church. And now that you you do that and you accept Christ as your Savior, mm-hmm. according to the catechism, at that point, I don't care if you're Catholic or Protestant, everybody's going to agree that that Catholic is now saved. Right. And, and let me tell you, I went through that, and I've told this before on the podcast, where I preach up on uh, Lake Darbon, and it's people of all faiths there, and I open up, which was not part of my message, uh, about salvation. At the end, a Catholic man stood up, came straight up to me and said, thank you for what you said. Because he had he had probably heard through the years that that the Protestants looked at them like they had no salvation. No, I, I go from what the Bible says about salvation, and I don't care what label you wear. I mean, you wear the Baptist label. You, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're going to heaven. You can take communion and any other denomination that you want to talk about. Now, we got some outliers that uh, would not fall into this because they don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. They don't believe in the blood of Jesus. They're in trouble. But the Catholic are not in trouble. If they take it serious of what they're doing, they will be in heaven. If, if, if a person goes up, your label, no matter what it is, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, what Church of Christ is going to fall off. And if 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 you go down, it's going to burn off. If you go to hell, it's going to burn one. off. Where yeah, I mean, no, like all I was going to say is like I, I, Catholics have a higher, almost a higher standard to to be saved in their in their minds, right? So Yeah, I, I think I get you. Let me see if I got what you're getting at, because there are times where I feel, especially when there is a guest speaker at a church, that there's this there's this they're wanting to snap fingers and a whole bunch of people accept Christ. Mm-hmm. And I, and I've seen it, especially with those who believe in Lordship salvation, they'll use that. So all this time they get you to doubt in your salvation, but you, but you, all, you, you just do this prayer. If you'll say this prayer, it's true. It's true that if you truly understand it and believe it, yes. But I think a lot of people are just saying that prayer and they think abracadabra, I'm a Christian and then nothing changes. I, I think that's what you're getting. What do you, at. What do you mean by uh, they make you? The, you think these those speakers part of their, let's say, shtick is to is to make you doubt uh, your salvation? Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you. That's why I do not. I, I loathe. You know how much Pastor Chris doesn't like. Not this Pastor Chris. He doesn't like it. He's open about yeah. not liking Calvinists. Yeah. Okay. I'm open and have a I have a disdain for Lordship salvation. A disdain for that. I think it's I think it's evil. Now, very good people believe that, but I think that I don't think they thought it through like they need to. Doc and I sat in a service together. We didn't know we were there together, but we were there. And this guy uh, gave one of the most amazing altar calls that I've ever seen. And I would say dozens and dozens and dozens of people received Jesus Christ yeah, that about. Sunday morning. Doc knows what I'm talking about. And I, I think that there were probably most of those were sincere, if not all of them. The way that he gave it was. Who was it? I can't he tell was you. With his a, name. He, he um, 
I, I, he's I don't an remember evangelist. his name. Yeah, he's an evangelist, but yeah, he's been doing it since he was. He's a rodeo he cowboy. To, yeah, he goes okay. to like NASCAR events, and he's he's a redneck, so he preaches to rednecks. That's, yeah, that's who he kind of. Well, I, I want to tell you something. I believe, as to put it in Chris's terms, Chris Chris Whit here, that Chris Craig is anointed. That's oh that, yeah, that guy is as good a preacher as there is. If you come to this town, that you're not going to do wrong going there. No, that's for sure. Good man. I, Good I love that guy. I really do. And and I want to tell you something. Through my through my rough years, he was there for me. Yeah. And I will he gave never a good forget Chris, that. Uh, Christmas sermon last Sunday too. So I'm like following following God. Like how how tough that would have been for Joseph. He's probably a teenager when that's happening. Like Mary would have been as, as soon as she could get married at 12 or 13 years old at that at that time. So she's really young and. Joseph wouldn't have been much older and like how difficult that would be for a 15 year old kid to, mm-hmm. we don't know how old he was, but he could have been 15 years old. Like we don't, we're not certain of that, but how difficult that would be to, to go and just follow God on, on such a difficult command. Like, I mean, that's, I got you. Yeah. That, got that's you. tough for a, for a grown man to, to follow sure. that, much less a teenager. Sure. Well, back to the, the we'll wrap it up because we, we have run out of time, but I, I want to wrap you yeah, because the question was, what was up? What was up with the Pope? And I, I, I well, you know, no, no, I, no, I'm laughing because we, yeah, we, we got way off. We track. got way off, and we, we always do, but yeah. it's always good stuff. Oh yeah, I, I want to stress that I'm not Catholic, so I could say this. I do not. Well, you have trouble. I can't go around talking about judge. The yeah, judges. no, I, yeah, no, you I, can, but I can't. I know that the Catholic YouTubers that I listen to, they, they. They have to be very careful about it. So that's why I'm careful. laughing. I can it's funny. Yeah, yeah. For somebody who really admires that church, has a lot. I've spent the time to learn their laws. Uh, not learn them, at least be familiar with. Uh, I, I, I truly love Abelard and, and I love uh, uh, Augustine and, and the writers that they've had over the years that are just just have pushed out, have, have left us with a treasure trove of knowledge and history and if you can't appreciate the beauty of the Catholic Church, I don't think you're looking. It's a beautiful mass. They don't. They stay sane today, yesterday, today, tomorrow. That doesn't mean I, I appreciate them. I really do. I, I don't have a problem with the Catholic Church. In fact, I appreciate them. I, I think this Pope is an evil man, though, and I believe he's a communist. I believe that the Catholic Church made a bad decision, but I can't emphasize enough that this guy's not even close to being as bad as Caesar Borgia's father, the Pope. Not even close. And they survived him. And they will survive this. The magisterium, I'm sure, is already going, no, not going to happen. So the only thing they can do is excommunicate him. That's never worked well. That's what the, the impeachment would be like. We're going to impeach him. It would be excommunication. They've tried that. It ended up with Avignon popes, where there's popes in France and popes in I ended up there three at one time for a while because they were excommunicating each other. Doesn't work. So they don't use that tool historically anymore. He's there. We're going to survive this guy. I don't, I know he's tried to like like Lynn said. He's walked back it a bit. Why do you think he walked it back? The guys with the red hats got on him. Yes, I because <laughs> I was shocked the next day when I read it. That church's not going to move. It's going to be fine. It's going to, that church is going to be fine. It's going to be around for a long, long time. So, well, we all look forward to Christ returning. But, <laughs> Glenn? That's a wrap. I think that it's time for you to say what can make your Christmas better. What can make a really perfect Christmas? 
or we can make Christmas so special and so wonderful for everybody, and Catholic, Protestant, whoever, uh, if they were to get some PJ's coffee or uh, delicious pastries, breakfast sandwiches, lunch sandwiches, that's chips, all natural Red Bull, and the only way to make that just go out of the park and go over the top in happiness and communion with the Lord is to uh, do it in the hot PJs in a wonderful setting where you can have wonderful, they're, they're, quite honestly, there are scripture meetings there quite often uh, when I go and people are studying the Bible in there. This is such a nice environment. What are you serious? I am serious as cancer. Yes. Boy, that was quite <laughs> I, I'm not going to talk about the cancer thing. That's awesome, man. <laughs> that really is. That's serious. All right. Is anybody else? Very serious. Yes. That happens all the time. All right, guys. Tomorrow we're going to do a lightning round on the news. So if you want to find out what really is going on, you'll tune into the James Perspective because we have got lots of news to discuss. Colorado Supreme Court being one of them. We will break that down. We'll break, break that down for you tomorrow. That is not going to stand. Well, it's not time to stand, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Listen. Thank you, Doc. Thank you, Giant Preacher. We appreciate you. We'll be back next Wednesday, right? Yes. Thank you, James. Thank you. Bye-bye.